Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, and welcome to episode 25 of the Pennsylvania Project. As you may know, here at the Pennsylvania Project, our vision is a better Pennsylvania. To achieve that vision, our mission is to boldly showcase the political, cultural, and environmental challenges facing contemporary Pennsylvania, and to relentlessly pursue correct solutions. But more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. And sometimes that's easier than it seems, too. We have a new and improved episode planned for today, but like all episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, it's still divided into three parts. You, them, and me. Part one is all about you, your questions, your opinions, your solutions, your whatevers. And rather than a call-in format, we are an email-in format. So if you have something to say, you can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com. And you can always listen in later on iTunes, Stitcher, Google, or whatever your favorite podcast provider may be. Today for the you part, we have a couple of questions. One is another opinion on DUI checkpoints, one of my favorite subjects, not. And a question on a topic we've never discussed before, the liquor store privatization question. So it's a new one for the Pennsylvania Project. After that, part two is all about them. Each episode, we host a guest to help us showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. Our guest today is all political. She's vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, Jennifer Moore. After that comes part three of the Pennsylvania Project, the me part, where it's my turn. (laughs) Your caster, Ken Krawchuk. I'll be focusing on some particular issue that really sticks in my craw. Today's rant is about Pennsylvania's self-manufactured troubles. And throughout the show, we'll be featuring a Pennsylvania Toastmaster to narrate our live commercials and whatever comes into our mailbag. Today, we have with us yet another member of the Drexel University Toastmasters Club, Ariel Kamen, her second appearance here, in fact. Welcome back to the Pennsylvania Project, Ariel. Thanks for having me, Ken. Oh, it's good to see you again. And you're dry this time. Yes. Unlike the cloudburst you got caught in last time. A traumatizing experience, some would say. Uh Uh-huh. Let me ask you, what do you like about being a Toastmaster? What I like about Drexel Toastmasters is this unique sense of flow that I feel when I'm in there. Nothing for that hour is prepared or can be practiced unless you're giving a prepared speech, which I only do if I really feel like it. And I just love the energy that is emitted not only by me, but by everyone I'm surrounded by. And there's a lot of commitment from everybody in the group, and it's addicting, that feeling. I know. I really love it. You know, I'm a member of four Toastmasters clubs at the moment, although I'm about to drop one. But the Drexel Club is my favorite, absolutely hands down. It's the most creative. I can go on and on about that, but that's not why we're here. Now, before I get into the mailbag, let me mention that we have made a small change to the format of the Pennsylvania Project. Not only will narrators like Ariel read commercials and mailbag questions, I've also asked her to participate a little more broadly, not just with the questions, but also with our guests. So she's going to be pioneering more of a co-host role, not just narrator. And if it works out, we'll be doing this going forward with all our shows with a different Toastmaster every episode. And today, Ariel is our first. Thanks, Ken. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. Now let's dig into the mailbag. And remember, our mission here is not just to complain, but to explore solutions. What do we got, Ariel? Oh, first. (laughs) Know what sticks in my craw? DUI checkpoints. And who's this from? Oh. Dave Betchel, Gilbertsville, Pennsylvania. Uh Uh-huh. And his question is, know what sticks my craw? 
DUI checkpoints. Did you see how Montgomery Township had three in a row recently? No. Six in my crawl, too, Dave, big time. In fact, I ranted about that in episode nine, as you probably don't recall since it was probably quite a while ago. And I'm not going to repeat that whole rant, but let me hit some of the high points, pardon the pun, and a couple of points that I didn't have the time to make way back in episode nine. As I mentioned before, several years ago, I graduated from the Abington Citizens Police Academy, not as a full police officer, but more like an auxiliary cop. That means I could do all kinds of police work, like helping during natural disasters, doing paperwork at stations, and getting to your point, Dave, helping out at DUI checkpoints. Can you imagine that, a libertarian working at a DUI checkpoint? What fun. I found out that the donuts alone were worth staying up so late. Well, the first checkpoint I went to was a disaster in the making. Let me just summarize it. Eight people were hauled away in irons that night. Eight lives ruined. And what was even worse, none of them were drunk to my eye. Not one of them. And when I complained to the testing officer about it, he replied, oh, you don't have to be drunk to be over the limit. So what? They're not drunk? Then what's the purpose of the checkpoints? What problem are they solving? He couldn't tell me. Just violating the statute. But the worst part came around 1 a.m., 1.30 this guy and girl came staggering in and they were trashed. The guy refused to answer the cops' questions, refused to take a sobriety test, refused to blow in the breathalyzer. Over an hour, they badgered this guy. They leaned on him. They played good cop, bad cop. And you know what eventually happened? His dad showed up and drove him home. No handcuffs, no ride to jail in the back of a patrol car, a chauffeured dad mobile instead. Let me repeat, eight lives were ruined that night, and not one of them was drunk, and the one who was drunk, he got away. Is that right? So before you were talking about how you thought they weren't drunk, yep. aren't police officers breathalyzing people? Yeah, but he came in at like .08, so while he may have been over the legal limit, the man was not drunk. No way. He walked the line, touched his nose... Did deep knee bends, all his hat size changed. But isn't the lesson not so much being drunk versus not? It's don't drive a car after you've been drinking. No, no. What's, what's the goal of government? It's to protect the rights and property of the people. And if this guy is driving properly, and look at, let's go more broadly. Article 1, Section 8 of my Pennsylvania Constitution, which is never far from my elbow, says, People shall be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and possessions from unreasonable searches and seizures without probable cause. But what is, about the people themselves? Is driving at night probable cause? Why do they stop him? It's not probable cause. Are DUI checkpoints a reasonable search? No, it's not reasonable. Certainly not. It's constitutional. And worse yet, they cost a lot of money. They're highly inefficient. You have 50 or 60 people working at each checkpoint, cops from the surrounding townships, a bunch of volunteer pseudo-cops like me, and all sorts of equipment. They're expensive. <clears throat> I think we should end them right now. And when people say, what, you want drunk drivers on the road? Remember, we're all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project, and there's a great alternative to these DUI checkpoints. One that doesn't treat you like you're a guilty drunk or violate the Constitution, or keep people like me up late at night. It's called roving patrols. The FBI did a study and found that roving patrols are much more efficient at catching drunks. All the cops have to do is cruise around and watch for somebody driving erratically. 
these people who were sitting at the DUI checkpoint, they, were, they weren't driving erratically. They weren't even walking erratically, except, of course, the guy who got away. So FBI says it's more efficient. Can you imagine those 50, 60 people working the checkpoint? Can you imagine if they were driving around, cruising around, looking for drunks? FBI says they catch a lot more, not just drunks, but people impaired for other reasons. Things like people who are on legal prescription drugs or being angry after an argument with their wife or being distracted by the kids or just plain old lack of sleep. But the best part of that approach is they respect your right to drive at night and not treat you like some criminal with no rights. Part of my platform when I ran for governor in 2018 was to use the line item veto to defund all DUI checkpoints in favor of roving patrols. Enough is enough as far as I'm concerned. Let's save money. Let's have safer roads and respect the Constitution, regardless of what some random number says. I mean, there, there are people who can drive perfect, even though they may be over that artificial number. Don't you think that whoever should inspire the people not to drive after they've been drinking? I drink and drive all the time. All the time. That's Why not should... my style. Okay. Well, would you force your style on other people? No. Okay. You sound very libertarian. But I feel as if your style could possibly put me in danger. Well, then why don't we just ban cars? 40,000 people are killed every year in a car. You can't do that. You have the right, as a libertarian, I believe you have the right to live your life your way without interference, provided you respect the rights and property of others. And as long as I'm driving well, doesn't matter. I suggest you go back and listen to episode nine. I was actually here for that episode. Huh? Yes. Yeah, so it's the sort of thing that either brings a tear to your eye or it pisses you off because it's heartbreaking about innocent people being victimized by the cops. Well, no, wait, I, I take that back. We're not being victimized by the cops. We victimize ourselves. We did it. We the people. We do it to ourselves by clamoring for all these DUI laws. Like, uh, sounds like you may be lobbying for? I mean, I don't know. I've never gotten a DUI or have known anybody in that position. But back when I was in school, they had these assemblies where they would bring in people that have either been affected by a drunk driver. Okay. But it's all the worst case scenarios, of course. I just think that people shouldn't drink and drive. Yeah, but you're, you're looking at it the other way. What about these innocent people? who weren't crashing into people, and now their lives are ruined. Sometimes you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Well, it's unconstitutional. (laughs) But most people are not aware of the Pennsylvania Constitution, but we have a solution for that too, and we'll be getting to that in a bit. Let's move on to our next question. We're gonna use up our whole first first part on that. Our next question is from Chris Kochinov from Wexford, Pennsylvania. What is your stance on liquor store privatization? Yeah, as I mentioned, in 25 episodes of the Pennsylvania Project, first time the subject has come up, good call, Chris. Personally, I stand in favor of liquor store privatization and ending the state's monopoly on alcohol sales because everybody knows monopolies are bad. So why do we, the people, tolerate one for alcohol? Badly outdated, the restrictions in Pennsylvania. Grocery stores, supermarkets, all these people, they should all carry all kinds of alcohol. Everything from my favorite rye whiskey, I'm a rye whiskey fan, all the way down to the 2.0 beer. 
I think we're the only state left in America that still has that communist approach to these things. It's an old idea, and there have been several, several attempts to end that monopoly. Of course, none have been successful. Politics as usual prevent it, and pressure from the store clerk's union. But it would be good for Pennsylvania if we ended it, because once we sell those stores, not only would there be a large cash infusion into the state treasury, there would be a big boom in the number of opportunities available to the private sector. Quality of service in the alcohol industry would improve. That's how capitalism works. That's why it's better than socialism and monopolies, especially the existing state-run monopoly. Did you know we're the sixth largest purchaser, purchaser of alcohol in the world? With all that clout, you think it would be cheaper to buy, buy your hooch here, but it's not. Delaware is famously cheaper, and even the police state of New Jersey has less expensive wines and a wider selection. In Pennsylvania, is there a law where they can't sell alcohol past a certain point? I know in New Jersey it's 10 p.m. Well, it depends where you're going. And that's not true in New Jersey because there's a place on U.S. 30, not far across the bridge, Columbo's, free commercial Columbo. They're open at 1 a.m. Oh, a liquor store? Yeah, and they sell everything. Because when I try to go to one of these Pennsylvania stores, oh, we close at 8 o'clock. Oh, we close at 8 o'clock. Oh, no, we're not open on Labor Day or 4th of July, you know, one of the biggest alcohol days of the year. Oh, no, we close that day. I mean, they don't care about the customers. It's like any monopoly. The quality is low. The choice is low. The prices are high. And being closed on Independence Day cut me a break. Now, who's the monopoly benefiting? The owners, not us, not we the people. No one wants to work on July 4th. Sure they do. We got our producer here. He does time and a half, double time on the weekends. He loves it. Would you work on July 4th? I have many, many times because I worked in healthcare. See? Again, you can't project yourself onto other people. I want to be able to go down to my corner store and pick up a case of beer at 1 a.m. I don't want to drive to Columbo's over in New Jersey. Jersey's a police state. They're going to stop me. They're going to give me a breathalyzer. Mm, good grief. Ah, there I am saying good grief again. People laugh at me every time I say that. That's my um word for you Toastmasters out there. Well, I think we'll stop right there. And after that rant, I think I need a drink. On that sozzled note, that ought to do it for the you portion of the show. We're going to pause for this information. And when we return, we'll be visiting with today's guest, Vice Chair of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania, Jennifer Moore. Did you hear the latest news? Almost two-thirds of all federal spending now goes to pay for the welfare state. More than $2.2 trillion, which just about equals federal income. Do you realize what that means? Virtually all tax revenue is now being consumed by the welfare state. But how do we rein in that runaway spending before it destroys America? The answer? The separation of society and state. That's the premise of the new novel, Atlas Snubbed, an unsanctioned parody sequel to Ayn Rand's Atlas Shrugged. Atlas Snubbed presents a workable alternative to the welfare state as we know it. Atlas Snubbed expertly extends Rand's epic story of a looter's world snubbed by the men of the mind, bringing to life a crumbling post-apocalyptic world where no one need ask who is John Galt, because now they know. Atlas Snubbed, available at all online bookstores or through atlassnubbed.com. Read it today before it's too late. Here's an interesting question. What do you think of these three ideas? Number one, 
People have at all times an inalienable right to alter, reform, or abolish their government as they think proper. Number two, juries shall have the right to determine the law as well as the facts. Number three, the right of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Do those words sound like they're something taken from a Hollywood political thriller? Well, they're not. They're all direct quotes taken from Article 1 of the Pennsylvania Constitution. Everyone's heard of the United States Constitution, but have you ever heard of the Pennsylvania Constitution? Have you ever read it? But most importantly, was it ever taught to you in school? If you're like virtually all Pennsylvanians, the answer are likely to be no, no, and no. Well, it's a long past time we change those answers to yes, yes, and yes. And you have a crucial part to play in making that come to pass. As you know, we here at the Pennsylvania Project are all about solutions. So we've altered, we've authored a petition demanding that the Pennsylvania Constitution be taught to our children. It's up on our website, PennsylvaniaProject.com, waiting for your signature. If you believe it's important for our children to know how our state government works, please add your name to the growing list of signers. And every time we accumulate another batch of signatures, we will send a copy of the petition to the governor, the Pennsylvania Board of Education, and each and every one of the 501 school districts in Pennsylvania, asking them to immediately start teaching our children the Pennsylvania Constitution. So please, sign the petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Do it now while it's on top of your mind. Get your friends to sign it, your neighbors, your coworkers. The alternative is yet another generation that has never heard of, never heard of, let alone read, the Pennsylvania Constitution. And people wonder why no one votes anymore. Hey, Ken Crawchuk here again, and welcome to the them portion of episode 25 of the Pennsylvania Project, where we host a guest to help showcase the political, cultural, and or environmental issues facing Pennsylvania. But our guest today is all political. Jennifer Moore, not only is she chair, vice chair of the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party, she's also an elected libertarian. She's auditor for Upper Providence Township, northwest of Philly there. And not only, only that, she's chair of the board of auditors there as well. She's a mother of two, volunteer at the Crisis Pregnancy Center, and a kayaker and a hiker like me. And she also does not like cats like me. She left the Republican Party in 2006 to join the Libertarians, and now she's here with us today. Welcome to the Pennsylvania Project, Jen. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for having me. Oh, definitely. Thanks for having you. There's so many things I want to talk to you about, because you are you're a high-party official. Yes, I've, this is my second term as Eastern Vice Chair. Uh-huh, second Vice Chair. What is an, what's a Vice Chair of the State Party? Well, the Vice Chair's main job is to organize new affiliates and support the affiliates that we have. Um, in the East, about half of our counties are organized right now, and the other half, mostly in the North, still need committees um, to be formed. And it's a bottom-up organization, so it's really important to have committees locally because they're the ones who are going to nominate candidates, support them when they run, which is what political parties are for. Mm -hmm. 
So I personally was involved in Chester and Monroe and hope to get a couple more counties up running soon. Uh huh. Now you say Eastern Vice Chair. You're not the only Vice Chair? No, we also have a Western Vice Chair and a Central Vice Chair. Uh-huh. And what, they do the same thing? Right. Now you used a couple words in there. You said you organize affiliates, you organize counties, and you organize committees. What's the difference? Well, uh, your county committee would be your affiliate of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. They're all sort of the same thing, I guess. Okay. Interesting. And that's all you do? Would, how, how do you get that started? I, I mean, like, here you have a county which has no organization in it. What's, what's one around here that doesn't have anything? So the first thing that um, when we organize Monroe County, and really, I mean, I, I get it started and give information, but the people there do all the work. Uh-huh. I mean, I can't, <laughs> I, can't give, <laughs> I can't give enough props to them. Um, Adam Reinhardt, the chair up there, actually contacted me and said, where are the libertarians? I want to go to a meeting. And I said, well, there's no committee. <laughs> Would you like to form one? Uh-huh. <laughs> you, you know, one of the things that I always say, my – mantra of the grassroots activist and it's easy to remember it's 10 words two letters a piece if it is to be it is up to me yes and just tell him that and get his button gear so i mean basically at that point you know we started a facebook page and we used the data that we had with you know registered libertarians with national members with state members and we sent out emails and said hey would anybody be inter- interested in coming to a meeting so once we had enough people who were interested in getting together that we had found through social media or through these emails, phone calls, you know, friends of the people up there, we um, found a venue and they had their inaugural meeting and, you know, set up meetings every month thereafter. So. Uh-huh. Interesting. How do we find out about these meetings that they're holding? Typically, they, they advertise them through their social media. Once they get a website up and running, they'll have them there. Um, they'll send emails to anybody who's asked to be on their email list. Uh-huh. What about... Neanderthals like me who don't do social media. Well, we send pigeons. (laughs) (laughs) That's for the birds. (laughs) Yeah, you'd have to. And you know, it's funny because I'm a member of the Montgomery County Libertarian Party, and they they move the meetings around a bit. It's always on our website at lp. Sorry, montcolp.org, m-o-n-t-c-o-l-p.org, and I have to check there all the time. But the chair, he goes out of his way. Me and Richard, I won't mention his last name. He always sends us, hey, guys, this is where we're at this time. Because, as you know, occasionally we've been left out in the cold. Yeah, Montco has. They've got a meetup, and they've got their Facebook, and they have um, a Google group that they email everybody. Mm-hmm. Google group reaches me. That's, I'm not that And it's on their website. So. Uh-huh. Yeah, I, don't, I like things to come to me. I don't like to have to dig, make life easier. Now, you mentioned that you get the lists of registered libertarians. How many registered libertarians are there? In the state of Pennsylvania, we have just under 42,000. 42,000, oh. wow. wow. Life, the universe, and everything. Yeah. Decent. At, and I guess we've got, oh, here comes the helicopter. Yeah. We warned you to be coming by. <laughs> if anybody's wondering what's going on, it's not, Ariel's not razzing us. <laughs> Maybe we'll just keep talking over it and see what happens. I guess we've got libertarians in office. Has anybody? Oh, you got elected. You're an elected auditor. Correct. Um, right now, we have 36 currently elected that we know of. I mean, people do slip in to office, <laughs> um, you know, on write-ins and things like that, and we find out about them much later. So there's probably a few more out there. Uh-huh. So 42,000 registered, maybe 42 in elected or appointed offices. Right. That's probably a good number. Yeah. So what's that come out to? That's one in a thousand. There you go. 
but we can win a lot more elections if we work on it. I know. We just need those candidates. And how's what's the prognosis of that? What is this? Elections are coming up. Elections are always coming up. We got libertarians in the election. Yeah, in the this this uh, year we have thirty seven on the ballot in Pennsylvania. Thirty seven. Um, twenty five of them are uncontested. They're the only ones on the ballot for that position. So Un- uncontested. You, you so mean these guys are like virtually assured of victory? Unless something crazy happens, you know, you don't ever want to, um, you know, test that. But uh-huh. <laughs> but yes. I'm sure the two old parties are going to get wind of it soon enough. They're going to like we got to do something. Well, they're on the ballot now. So if the two old parties wanted to put somebody up, they had their opportunity to do that before uh. their deadline and have not. So, You know, I, I did that once. I ran as a Democrat for Abington Township Commissioner in the primary, and they had no idea it was happening until they, they saw my name on the ballot, and they panicked. And they got some, I, I should call him a kid, I guess he's like 18 or 19. He does these rock ponds for people. They said, you're a candidate! And they pulled out all the stops. They cranked up the machine. And in front of the polling place, they had people on, like five, six people on cell phones saying, come vote. You got to come and vote. You got to come and vote. If you don't come and vote, I won't be your neighbor anymore and things like that. And I, I wound up losing. He got like, I had my own get out the vote phones going on. But they had people inside. So when they checked off somebody's name, they knew not to call that person. They had maybe a dozen people. At least I know I got beaten fair and square. It was we- like, to 25% is what that came out to be. And we had a candidate this time around who got on the ballot as a libertarian, and someone from um, her borough called her and told her that they had already appointed somebody to this elected position (laughs) and that she had to refile for a non-existent position. So I think they were trying to trick her into a paperwork error. She told them, no, I will not refile, and they hung up on her, and we haven't heard anything else. (laughs) But but those are the type of things that you see in here. Are you telling me that the county is giving our candidates bad information? That happens once in a while. Once in a while. It happens all the time. Because we were talking beforehand that somebody was given the wrong petition. Yes. And, and they wound up getting like 100 signatures and none of them were any good because it was not Right. Now that we proper. are a, pl- a political body rather than a minor party, the forms have changed. And the Board of Elections, I don't think they mean to, but sometimes they just aren't up to date. On- well, it doesn't change that much. I mean, I've, I've run for office. First time was in 94. So what's that? 25 years ago. I remember. It's a long time ago. But they, they haven't changed that much. The laws are pretty much still the same. Some of the numbers have changed. You want to use the right form you want to use at the, the end right of the form. day. Political body versus minor, minor political party. And I hate that term. If, if, even the law disses all the third parties. Even calling them third parties is a, is a real diss. Well, they gave me the wrong um, information when I ran for office. Mm-hmm. They told me that I needed 10 signatures, which is what the major parties need, but I really needed 46. Old, party. old parties. Right. They're not major. <laughs> Correct. Let, let's turn it about. If they can call us minor, I can call them old. The fossil parties. The fossil parties. Well, well, I'm not going to be that blunt about <laughs> it. Them. But yes, um, and so I was challenged based on not having enough signatures. Challenged? What do yes, you mean? Yes. Um, they brought me to court and tried to have me thrown off the ballot. Why? because I didn't have enough signatures. Now, this being said, I was an uncontested candidate. Nobody else wanted the job. <laughs> um, 
Why would they go through that trouble? I don't know. Well, because the job of the auditor is, you know, not only to be a fiscal watchdog, but also to potentially set the pay for government employees who may want to do work for the township. Really? The person who challenged me was one of my township supervisors. So he wanted to appoint the person who could set his own pay, I suppose. Wow. I didn't know that auditors auditors could do that. Only if they say the supervisor wanted to do some snow removal or yard work or something like that for the township. If they were going to be doing extra duties in addition to their elected position, the auditors would set their pay. So you could set the pay such that only teenagers, for example, would take the job instead of paying some prevailing wage? or. Well, there are three of us, and only one of them's libertarian, so... <laughs> Yeah, but you can convince the other. Maybe they got right. a teenage son who's looking to, for work. We would have to have quorum. <laughs> Libertarian patronage, right? I'll set your salary higher. Vote for me or something like that. <laughs> Before you were saying how you entered into an election as a Democrat. Yes. But here we are on the Pennsylvania Project promoting libertarian beliefs. Sure. Is that anything other than unethical? No. Because Pennsylvania law does not require you to be a member of any party to run under any party's banner. What I did is I had Democrats circulate my petition, collect my signatures, and turn them in. They decided, Democrats decided they wanted me for their candidate because they weren't, they weren't running anybody. Yeah. So they said, Ken, you'd be a good candidate. So it's, it's all following the law, and it's all on the up and up, unfortunately. No, it's good. You know, George Washington warned about political parties. He said that they will take over the country and instead of the people's will, it will be run by an artful few. But we libertarians are coming on not necessarily as the artful few, but artful enough that we've got 40-some libertarians in office. My guest today is Jennifer Moore, vice chair of the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party and the elected auditor of Upper Providence Township. I'm your caster, Ken Krawchuk, and you're listening to The Pennsylvania Project. We'll be right back after this information. Thinking about getting your first tattoo? Maybe you're ready to add that sleeve you started or cover up that one regretful choice. Put Sam C. and his team of artists at Iron Will Tattoo Club in Glenside, PA at the top of your list. The team at Iron Will has plenty of designs to choose from. They can create an original design or work with a design that you provide. Call 267-893-7625 today to schedule your free consultation. That's 267-8-WE-ROCK or visit them on Instagram at Iron Will Tattoo Club. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here, caster of the Pennsylvania Project. You know, it's easy to find a high-paying job. At least for some people it is. Employers are begging for competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. But do those words describe you? Competent leader communicates effectively? If not, or even if they do, you may want to consider joining Toastmasters. The mission of Toastmasters is to provide a supportive environment for learning communication and leadership skills. But does it really work? Hey, look at me! I joined Toastmasters, and now I have my own radio podcast! So turn your life around like I have. Visit Toastmasters.org and contact a club near you. Visitors are always welcome, and be sure to mention my name. The future is anxiously awaiting competent leaders who know how to communicate effectively. 
you can be that leader. It all starts at Toastmasters.org. Are you a small business owner always looking for referrals? Do you have a streamlined approach for generating new referrals? Contact Stephen Worley to learn the fast, easy way to generate new referrals. Stephen has an all-inclusive system that will help you generate an extra 5 to 10 customers per week without spending a single dollar on ads. You won't have to create a website, have a picture taken, or write a single ad. Stephen will take the headache out of the process. Contact him at stephenworley.com. That's Stephen, S-T-E-V-E-N, worley.com. Do you have the financial freedom that you imagined you have? At AJ Freedom Financial, we are dedicated to serving you while helping you achieve your financial goals. We offer planning and investment advice on everything from college and retirement planning to a rollover 401k. Please call 866-383-6899 to learn more. The top priority at AJ Freedom Financial has always been and always will be our clients. Call AJ Freedom Financial today to talk to a qualified professional. 866-383-6899. AJ Freedom Financial, helping Pennsylvania Pennsylvanians achieve financial freedom from the man. Securities Investment Advisory Services are offered through Gradient Securities, LLC member FINRA SIPC. Insurance products and services are offered through AJ Freedom Financial. AJ Freedom Financial is not affiliated with Gradient Securities, LLC. Yeah, hi, Ken Krawchuk here again. We're back with episode 25 of the Pennsylvania Project and our guest, Jennifer Moore, vice chair of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania and the elected auditor of Upper Providence Township. And you didn't run away. Not yet. Not yet. That's all right. We had another 10 or 15 minutes before we would kick you out the door. And it, it goes quickly. It always seems to. I want to back up something you mentioned before. Challenge where they drag you into court. Yes. How, how do they do that? I mean... What's the what's the deal? I mean, typically they will comb through your paperwork and look for any kind of an error, a wrong date, um, signatures that aren't valid, meaning they're not a registered voter, they don't live at that address. If they can find anything in the paperwork that's incorrect, they can try to have you stricken from the ballot. Mm-hmm. So as libertarians, we typically need to expect challenges. Um, if it's possible, they will try to have us thrown from the ballot. This year, we only had one, thankfully, and he he didn't win his original case, but he did win his appeal, so we didn't lose any candidates. Well, that's good. But in 2017, it was a little bit different story. We um we lost one in Montgomery County and several you know others around the state. Uh huh. Um, and in 18, it was you know the same. We lost only two, I think. I remember the big one in 2016 where we were panic-stricken and everything, trying to get everything together. They dragged us into court. Judge says, you got to have, what, 10 people or something like that? Was, we, oh, you weren't around for that. Mm-hmm. No, I wasn't. That was before your time. Yeah, that was pretty heavy duty. And we wound up, what did we turn in, like 40-some thousand signatures. It was for our statewide candidates. And we snuck by in the end with a 
at an excess of about 500 signatures. Wow. Yeah. It's really heartbreaking because these candidates put so much work into getting onto the ballot. It's a huge time commitment. It's a huge financial commitment. It is. And then to lose that day in court, you know, over sometimes something completely silly. I know. Signing where you should print and print where you should sign. Crazy stuff like that. I, I remember when I ran for governor in 2002, before they lowered the signature requirement, before we forced them to lower the signature requirement, I should say. I had to collect 21,000 signatures, and I turned in 32,500. I've said this before, I'll say it again. It was and remains the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life, to organize hundreds of volunteers statewide, to collect thousands of signatures, to make sure it's on the right form, to make sure that all of the notarizations are there. It's just a, it's a nightmare. And the last couple of nights, me, my campaign manager, my wife, some volunteers, were up to 3, 4 in the morning getting these things put together it's a full-time job it is last year i managed the paid drive for the state and um, we had a much lower requirement than we ever had but it was a daily calling the petitioners seeing where they were at making sure our down ballot were on those forms um you know going through them and making sure that they were valid Mm -hmm. i mean hours and hours and hours of time at least what's one good thing about it because in 2016 Myself, members of the Green Party, the Constitution Party, and a few others, we challenged those challenges because back then, if they kicked you off the ballot, they could fine you. They fined Carl Romanelli, a green guy, just a local green guy. They fined him $80,000. Ralph Nader was fined $80,000. And in 2010, after they had fined Carl all that money, they sent us a letter, our state party, and I read a copy on the air of it. I was looking, I, I can't find which episode it was, but the letter said, everybody should drop off the ballot right now and we're going to drag you into court. Last time was $80,000, now with inflation, it's up to $106,000. So if you, if you withdraw immediately, maybe we won't take you to court. Economic extortion. There's always new tactics, too. Nowadays, um, I mean, anything they can do to, um, you know, drag us through the mud and make sure that we spend money that we don't have. Um, this past go-around, we actually had a situation where a judge compelled our candidate to participate, and he had to show up at various boards of elections with counsel for multiple days leading up to his day in court. And he ended up seating the ballot because, I mean, who has $10,000 to spend on a lawyer to show up before you even go to court to help them prove their case against you? Right. So, you know, we won a case, but they found a way around it. So who is this they that you guys are referring to? Anybody. They're they're generally speaking, they're Republicans. They challenge us more than the Democrats. The Democrats challenge the Greens and kick them off the ballot. So it's it's a group thing. In 2010, there were no challenger party candidates. There are only two old party candidates on all the ballots statewide, all up and down the line. Do you think it's healthy to have all these different parties that our society has these days? Or could there be a way to find a happy medium uh-huh. that incorporates a little bit of everybody? Uh-huh. Well, first of all, you have the right to live your life your way without interference to provide your respective rights and property of others. So if you want to form a political party, God bless you, have a good time. I may even help. But this question has come up with the Greens. They came up to us, it was in 2006. The signature requirement was very high. They said, tell you what, we'll run a Senate candidate, you run a governor candidate, and we'll stay out of each other's way. 
Well, that went over like a lead balloon. Why should we, libertarians who believe in your life, your way, stand aside in favor of a party that's one-tenth of our size when they believe that they have the right to force you to live your life their way? We are the party of principle. So there's just no way that we could wear their uniform, no way we could step aside for them. I mean, we agree on things. There's a lot we agree on. For example, fair ballot access. We have worked to, to get the Voters' Choice Act to make it easier for challenger parties to get on the ballot. We've worked together on that. But after that, there's not much we agree on. You talk about gun control? Well, they were on two sides of the fence. And how about you? Do you think that there's some sort of happy medium that could be addressed? I think that everybody deserves to be represented at the ballot box. And right now, a lot of Americans are not being represented. The two old parties don't represent a lot of us. Um, You know, not only people on my side of the spectrum, but, you know, other political philosophies as well. I think that something like ranked choice voting, um, you know, you you look at the last, um, you know, and I, I hate to talk about other countries, but there are elections in other countries where they do have many political parties, and the major ones put up bad candidates, and the minor parties can rise up and, and put somebody in um, because they have robust enough systems. Like, why can't we have that here? Mm-hmm. I agree. You know, after we liberated Iraq, their ballot had had over 100 candidates for a single office. And here in Pennsylvania, judges have struck down our lawsuits before by saying, oh, no, it causes ballot clutter, even though traditionally there's only three, maybe four different parties on the ballot. Now, why is it okay for Iran and Iraq to have hundreds of candidates on the ballot and we can't? Even the police state of New Jersey allows easier to get, it's easier to get on the ballot. Look at how many Democratic candidates there are right now yeah. that they're allowing to debate. Yeah, right. But in the general election, if you have more than two, it's confusing to the voter. Mm-hmm. Now, what other fines do you run into? I mean, I'm, I'm familiar with the certainly the ones in Pennsylvania, but our lawsuit in 2016 had those overturned, and it reduced the signature requirement from the 21,000 that I had to get to a flat 5,000 which made it real easy for me to get on the ballot for governor in 2018, at least compared to 21,000 signatures. Well, I'm going to court at all is expensive, of course. Yeah. You know, you need attorneys, you need time off work. I mean, most of us are not career politicians. That's right, So, you especially know, in the challenger parties. Right, we're, we're regular people who have regular jobs and families, so um, it can be, you know, pretty detrimental to have to spend a week in court. I know, and it's like homework, because if you miss a deadline, it's over. Right. It just doesn't matter. Maybe you could petition the court, and they're going to just go, <laughs> And sometimes it feels like they make it as confusing as possible. That is true. And, you know, we had an attorney on as the guest, and I think it was episode 10. He's the past deputy solicitor of Bucks County. And <laughs> we were going on about how expensive lawyers are. And I was trying to say, why is it $500 an hour? He says, well, I, I got to do a lot of research. I said, whoa, 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 wait a minute. $500 an hour? 2,000 hours a year, that's a million dollars a year you're making. Let's say you spend 11 months of the year studying these things. You're still making $100,000. I said, and you don't spend 11 months of the year doing it. And he even answered that he gave a couple of times during when he was on the, a guest on the show. He said, I don't think I want to answer that question. <laughs> Talk about a lawyer. Let me take a look at my cheat sheet here. I got him. He was on episode 12, an attorney. That was a lot of fun. Because, and I brought that up too, the whole mumbo-jumbo nature of our 
political, our, our court system, and how they stack juries in front of your eyes. I was like, Your Honor, I've wired deer. I don't like him. Get him off the jury. Wait a minute. You're stacking the jury, dude. Let's just pick 12 random people and stick them on there. I mean, other than court, we have, we've had candidates send out their campaign staff to try to lure off our petitioners so that we get less signatures. Uh, We've had, you know. I've seen that happen too. Yeah. I mean, we have people sign sworn affidavits saying they did not sign this petition and then it's your word against theirs. Yeah. But my name is Mickey Mouse. (laughs) And you get those too. You know, we're coming up against that time wall again. Always, as I said, it always goes real fast. At least we, we covered one of the big things I wanted to mention was the challenges. It's crazy that they do that. I'm glad we have put them back in their cage somewhat. Right. Do you have any final comments, websites, or things you want to say? Well, you know, I'd like to talk a little bit about what we've done with the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania this okay. year. Um, we hired an executive director, and we got our new web- website up and running, which um, has been a long time coming. So if you want to check it out, lppa.org. Um we have started doing mailings to our registered libertarians around the um, around the state, and we have raised membership by 37%. Wow. And we've more than doubled our income from previous years. Uh-huh. So this is all thanks to our executive director, Kevin. He has done a wonderful job. Well, Kevin was a guest on the show, yes. episode 22, 23. I don't have that written down handy. And in addition to all of that, um, Dr. Chuck Moulton um, had this idea to recruit for these uncontested positions. And this year, with the help of West Benedict, we sent about 3,200 letters and asked people to run for office. You'll be the only one on the ballot. We had 135 people contact us. Wow. And 25 of them got on the ballot. Wow. So, um, you know, we're hoping to do this in coming years. We only um, sent letters to nine counties this time, so we're hoping to get to all 67 in the future. That would rock, especially with such great results. If you're getting, what's that, one out of five? And the caliber of the people that reached out to us um, were amazing. Just, you know, great people who want to serve their communities. Okay. LPPA.org and MoncoLP.org if you're in Montgomery County. I don't know what Philadelphia's is. Just go Philadelphia Libertarian, Montgomery County Libertarian. You'll find us. And on that note, that's going to wrap it up for the then portion of the show. My thanks again to our guest, the vice chair of the Pennsylvania Libertarian Party and elected auditor of Upper Providence Township, Ms. Jennifer Moore. Thank you for appearing on the Pennsylvania Project. We're going to pause for this information, and when we return, I'll be ranting about something that really sticks in my craw, Pennsylvania's self-manufactured troubles. The following is a commercial announcement. Hey, Ariel, how's it going? Eh, could be better. Why? What's the matter? I just found a great job, but I can't take it. Why not? They want me to go as a 1099 contractor. So? So what about all the taxes? Federal taxes, state taxes, this tax, that tax? I have better things to do than figuring out the tax laws and filing out all those forms. I'm a libertarian, remember? Well, then you need Amendment 16. Hey, it's the damn 16th Amendment that got me into this predicament in the first place. No, no, no. Amendment 16, the invoicing service. They'll invoice your client for the hours and expenses you report to them. And when your client pays them, they pay you. Minus all required state and federal taxes. It's that easy. One call does it all. And they'll even have an accountant do your personal taxes for you come April Fool's Day. I mean, come April 15th. And they take care of all the taxes? All the forms? Yep. And they could pass along certain tax breaks, too. Sounds perfect. Where do I find them? On the web, of course, 
at amendment16.com with 16 spelled out. That's amendment, S-I-X-T-E-E-N.com. One call does it all. You've been a registered libertarian for years, voted for libertarians even longer, and lived by libertarian principles all your life. Now, it's time to take the next step and become a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. Keep abreast of the march toward liberty in Pennsylvania. Take an active role in making it happen. Maybe even consider running for a local political office yourself. It all starts with becoming a dues-paying member of the Libertarian Party of Pennsylvania. It's easy, fast, and only $20 a year. So visit lppa.org to sign up today. That's lppa.org. Do it today. A freer future is waiting. Hey, Ken Krawchuk here again, and welcome to the me portion of episode 25 of the Pennsylvania Project, where I get a chance to rant about something that really sticks in my craw. And today I'm going to talk about Pennsylvania's self-manufactured troubles. You know, I really love Pennsylvania. I love living here. I love the majestic solitude of the Appalachian Trail, the heart-thumping excitement of canoeing whitewater on the Schuylkill. We're doing that this weekend, by the way. Either that, the Susquehanna, the Yuckagani. I love camping on Sarah Coyne's campground on the shores of Lake Erie and watching the sparkling sunset setting over Pennsylvania's international border. It's like living in a dream sometimes, some of the places we go. Unfortunately, more and more that dream is starting to turn into a nightmare because there are far, far too many of manufactured troubles, things that the politicians of the two old parties have been visited upon, we the people, they've been doing it for years, and it's just not slowing down. Now, I want to go down a list of these, some of these troubles. They've all been mentioned here on the Pennsylvania Project at one time or another. And since this is episode 25, it's kind of a milestone episode, right? 25, what is it, the silver anniversary or something? And I thought it'd be appropriate to look back and take a brief look at some of the self-manufactured troubles that plague Pennsylvania. You ready? Taxes and spending. It's out of control. Our court system? Racist. Law-abiding gun owners? Vilified. Recreational drug users? Persecuted for no reason. And their families are left behind as collateral casualties. The police, insular and over-militarized. LGBTs, or ligbits as I like to call them, are treated like second-class citizens, regardless of what you want to call them. Ligbits or LGBTQs, they're always adding another letter, I can't keep up. The electoral process, as we were just talking with Jennifer, it's rigged to prevent competition. The state constitution, it's trashed untaught. All the troubles of the world are being visited upon us in Pennsylvania by the very government that we count upon to protect us. Do you know what I say? Do you know what I say when I hear of yet another tax increase? Or when I hear of another recreational drug user needlessly dying from an accidental overdose? Or when I hear of another cop, another judge, or another politician betraying the public's trust? Or when I hear of yet another restriction on law-abiding gun owners? When I hear it takes years to get medical marijuana into the hands of sick people, assuming, of course, that you have a state-approved illness. Or when I hear the cops are driving tanks down Main Street. Do you know what I say when I hear that kind of stuff? 
Enough is enough. Enough is enough. Let me get in a little bit of detail if you think I'm making this stuff up. <clears throat> enough taxes. Do you know under the two old parties, the cost of government has been rising on average at over three times the rate of inflation for over 50 years? That means taxes are 25 times greater than they were in the 1960s. Enough of the racist courts. Under the two old parties, for every one white person who goes to prison for drugs, five blacks go to prison for drugs. And I heard that number went up, maybe six or seven by now. Even though drug use is the same among all races. Enough with vilifying these law-abiding gun owners. As we mentioned earlier, Article 21, excuse me, Article 1, Section 21 of the Pennsylvania Constitution says the right of the, of the citizens to bear arms in defense of themselves and the state shall not be questioned. Yet the two old parties constantly question it. Enough with their insane war on drugs. Under the two old parties, has reached a point where we're releasing murderers and rapists from our overcrowded prisons to make room for pot-smoking Grateful Dead fans. That's insane. And illegal drugs, they have no quality control. So it's no surprise we have an opioid crisis with people dying in the streets. Enough abuse at the hands of the police. Because under the two old parties, do you know who looks into possible police misbehavior? The police with their own internal affairs unit. It's like the fox guarding the hen house. Enough of treating these ligbits like second-class citizens. Do you know it took federal action to get the two old parties to finally recognize everyone's right to marriage? I mean, who is the state to stand in the way of true love? We need separation of marriage and state. That's what we need. Enough of these rigged elections. Under the two old parties, libertarians and independent need to collect two, three, four, five, 32 times as many signatures to get on the ballot. Even though Article 1, Section 5 of the Pennsylvania Constitution says, all elections shall be free and equal. Yeah, right. Some people may be more equal than others, I guess. And, of course, enough trashing of the Constitution. You know, the two old parties control the schools lock, stock, and barrel. They say who can teach, who can't teach, and what gets taught. And with all that power, our schools still don't teach our kids the Pennsylvania Constitution. Don't forget to sign our petition at PennsylvaniaProject.com. We're going to turn that one around. You wonder why I say enough is enough? That's because enough is enough. And that's not all. I, I mean, I can go on and on and on and on. One manufactured problem after another that they've created about one group or another being systematically targeted by the state. But let me, I, I can just go on, but let me, let me get to the point. Because we are all about solutions here at the Pennsylvania Project. And although it seems like all the troubles of the world are being visited upon us, there is a simple, single solution to all of these self-manufactured problems. So if you're one of the innumerable Pennsylvanians who are tired of high taxes, tired of racist courts, tired of vilified gun owners, tired of drug violence and drug deaths, tired of over-militarized police, tired of ligbits being treated like second-class citizens, tired of rigged electoral process, tired of our constitution being trashed and untaught. There's one single solution. Vote libertarian. If you believe you have the right to live your life your way, without interference, provided only that you respect the rights and property of others, if you believe in that political golden rule, then shouldn't you be voting that way as well? There's only one political party that takes that rule to heart, and that's the Libertarian Party. So please, vote Libertarian. Because if you keep on voting the way you've been voting, 
You're going to keep on getting just what you've been getting. And that includes more and more and more of those self-manufactured problems that the two old parties have handed us. I don't know what you say to all these troubles, whether it's the racist courts or the drug violence or the ligbits being persecuted. I know what I say. I say enough is enough. And vote libertarian. It's the only thing that's going to stop them short of revolution. On that angry note, that's going to wrap it up for episode 25 of the Pennsylvania Project. If you have something to say, we would love to hear from you. You can contact us at PennsylvaniaProject.com right after you sign our petition, that is. And you can hear us there as well, too, as well as on iTunes and other popular podcast providers. Today's episode is courtesy of Amendment 16 Limited, recorded live at the studios of WWDB Radio, broadcasting at 10 a.m. every Saturday at 8.60 a.m. in Philadelphia, and released as a podcast every Tuesday at PennsylvaniaProject.com. Excuse me. Our webmaster, Stephen Worley, marketing guru, Connor Dragotis, featured Toastmaster narrator and first co-host, Ariel Kamen, keyboard wizard in the background, I love listening to him, Joe the Pag, radio producer, Brett Kronberger, executive producer, Mark Bazzacco, and me, your caster, Ken Krawchuk. Thanks for joining us. And remember, more important than solving the problem correctly is to solve the correct problem. <laughs>